2: on the Wake up call with KB and Andy.
0: Yeah, happy holidays continue here in the fan. We're broadcasting live from the drivehuber.com studios. Andy Sweeney, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykten hanging out with you on this Thursday. Reminder, we'll have all the Colts stuff. We'll have our picks coming up tomorrow. We'll talk with Matt Taylor tomorrow as well. Plus, we'll have the game on Sunday, 9 a.m. pregame right here on the fan. All the pregame, game, game, postgame with Greg Rekstra and company. We got you covered right here on the fan. And including tonight, we have you covered. It's Pacers in Chicago taking on the Bulls. Eight thirty pregame night, or I should say seven thirty pregame. Eight o'clock tip-off right here on the Fan. And to talk about that and more, Pacer items, Scott Agnes joins us here, Fieldhouse Files. He joins us on the Payless Liquors hotline. Scott, a uh, happy holidays, a good morning. You know, one thing I have been saying, we both have been saying today. You know, you're going to make the playoffs, and if you care about your seating, you need to beat a team like Houston on the road. You need to beat a team like. Chicago on the road, especially this schedule really, really picks up uh, in the month of January. I would imagine you agree with that. What do you make about the game tonight in Chicago?
2: Yeah, absolutely. The thing that comes to mind, Andy, and happy holidays to you as well, is the fact sometimes it matters when you face a team, right? And for the Pacers, it doesn't seem like a good time to face the Bulls in general. They've kind of figured things out a little bit. Winners in four of five, whereas they had a, a terrible stretch to this part of their season, just like it'd be great to play the Pistons like the Pacers did recently. Uh, so a lot of times matters when you play them. But they have this game in Chicago. You come back home against New York. You want to take care of that one if you can against a tough, physical, um, hard-playing team because uh, then you're right. Then you got the gauntlet of a couple games against Milwaukee, a couple games against Boston, a few other games, and then you're out west or six in a row, uh, and that might be the first time where we see, we see the, uh, you know, the true team reveal itself a little bit, right? Because that's where, where a team may come together, may fall apart. Uh, You'll you learn a lot, I think, when a team's gone for a couple weeks.
3: Scott Agnes is with us. Scott, as Andy said, happy holidays to you. Um, Fieldhouse Files, of course, where you can read Scott's work. What do you think of the lineup changes? Multiple of them, uh, bigger, uh, certainly rewarding Two guys that have earned it, I think, in a way, and Jalen Smith and Aaron Neesmith. What do you make of the new lineup changes we saw on Tuesday night?
2: Yeah, first of all, I was a little surprised that we saw the Pacers follow through and and have a lineup change, especially – since the literally the previous game at home, Rick Carlisle was like, you know what? Like, I, I just don't. I'm not sure we need that because it, what he was emphasizing is the more you take away from the starting lineup, the more you change up with that, then it impacts your bench unit, and there's a trickle down effect there, right? And so uh, they started differently, they finished differently. Um, I think it really emphasized defense. That's what I saw with that unit. You remove. Uh, Obi Toppin you insert Aaron Neesmith Jalen Smith back to the four it felt like deja vu to start last season right where I think Jalen Smith started in the first like 22 games uh, and then they and completely went away from it I, is it long term is it sustainable I'm not sure it's a small sample size there but I think it just reinforced to the team what they want to do defensively and then I think um to end the game they went back to the comfort lineup the continuity lineup the group from last year that started that didn't surprise me at all we've seen a lot more of that this season but um i guess the telltale sign will be when bruce comes back does he go back right away into the starting lineup or does he come off the bench into his role from last year i can't imagine he doesn't start but um they're still looking for that right combination
3: So it's a bench role now for Buddy Heald. Still an important role, but it is back to the bench. And it is, for one night, and we'll see how it plays out, it's out of the rotation for TJ McConnell. Those are two guys that we did debate about their futures with this team throughout the offseason with you. Are you curious about either of them as we look ahead to a trade deadline in a little over a month?
2: I think absolutely you have to about both just because their their situation, right? In Buddy's instance, he plays so well with Tyrese. That's the reason you really want him, actually, in the starting lineup is him and Ty play so well off one another. They're on the same wavelength. They don't even have to think. They know exactly what another is going to play off of. But uh, in terms of the trade deadline, sure, Buddy's in a contract year uh, if you can get value for him and have, and don't plan to re-sign him. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely the situation you want to consider. Could you get say a late first for him or several seconds or, or could he be part of a bigger deal uh, for a guy that you'd lose anyway, if you don't re-sign and then TJ, I'll repeat what I've said all season long. TJ McConnell is too good a player to get coaches decisions did not play. Um, I, you know, whether it's 10 minutes off the bench, 20 minutes, the energy level that he provides, the the spark. How about the way his efficiency, I mean, his shot around the basket. Like, uh, that's a situation where, to me, you use him or you or you move on from him. He's just too good to sit the bench. And there's been veteran teams, there's been young teams that don't have that stretch and guard that have been after him. So, I think you absolutely do consider sure. that Um I know Phoenix previously had desperately been wanting uh wanting him and calling about him checking in about him. Charlotte was a team on the lower level uh that was really interested in him this offseason. I on the other hand, I will say not uh, not relatively expensive. Uh he's also a guy at point guard. If you have injuries, you you really need so you hate to just part with him for just a, a you know, low-level second round pick and that's it. Um just because of the depth factor. But yes, KB, those two are certainly atop the, the two, atop the list of players that could be on the move in a month and a half.
0: We're talking Pacers. Scott Agnes joins us here, Fieldhouse Files. He's joining us this morning on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You've kind of answered this question. We've danced around it. Let me ask it this way to you, Scott. You know, we're 30, 30 games in, not quite 30 games in, whatever it is. Uh, but that that is a nice sample size, right? We, we're finding out things about this team, good things, bad things, and everything in between. Is, is there, with what has happened thus far this season, the ups and downs, whether this be short-term or long-term, has it changed your mind or confirmed anything in your mind about the moves this team should make, whether, again, short term this season or long term in the future, off season and beyond?
2: So much about it, Andy, is just how much is another team willing to play ball, right? There's been so many situations in the past. I. I think that like five years ago, like how much differently would things gone for the Pacers team if they were able to get Gordon Hayward like both sides wanted uh, from Boston, but Danny Ainge wouldn't play ball (laughs) literally in that situation. He didn't think that threat of Gordon leaving was real. Guess what it was? And he went to Charlotte, for example. But here's the bigger picture thing. The Pacers have not done well in the draft. Where has Kevin Pritchard and company excelled? It's in it's in trades. And so that's why if you're a Pacer fan, if you're the Pacers, you're really you're you're perking up a little bit leading into the trade deadline, because, you know, over the last decade, this team has improved itself most via trade. And the trade deadline is one of the best opportunities to do that, where they can um, try to uh, maximize a return or, or receive a player that just doesn't have a role elsewhere. Think Jalen Smith, right? He was out of the rotation in Phoenix. That team the Suns right. did not pick up his fourth year team option. And they just moved on from Jalen because they weren't going to re-sign him the following year. And now we're talking about him in the starting lineup for the Pacers. That's the type of trades that the Pacers uh, look for and try to thrive off of. So I think the last two weeks, three weeks have confirmed what this team is, what I thought at the beginning of the season, just kind of a 500 team, still lacking defense, still lacking pieces on the wing and yes, they absolutely should try to make some moves come the trade deadline, but that doesn't necessarily mean they can or will.
3: Again, Scott Agnes with us here, Fieldhouse Files. It's Pacers and Bulls in Chicago tonight. Slight favorite Indiana. No Zach Levine, no Nikola Vucevic for the Bulls. Okay, Scott, remind me of the rules. Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard, are they allowed unlimited appearances in the G League, or is there like an X amount of times they can mad-an it up? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, no, they just have to officially be assigned by the Pacers, but I don't believe there's any kind of uh, a number there. The two-way guys, uh, there's a there's a maximum number that they can spend officially with the Pacers, uh, but that does not apply to the Pacers going down to the mad
3: Got it. Okay, and then Walker specifically, when you watch these Mad Ant games and you watch Walker play yeah. at that level, what are you watching for? Like, I, I, I'm always torn. You know, I, I go back. I mean, I'm not watching the full game. Oh, okay. What yeah. are
0: you watching? All right, K- I got you. All right, go yeah, ahead, KB, Scott. The
2: biggest thing I'm looking for is defensively and how he's processing things. Is he making? Is he in the right spot? Does he staying in front of his man? Is he, is he communicating out there with his teammates to make sure they're on the same page? Those sorts of things. It's, it's not does he make that three-point shot. Like, for one, that he's really improved in that area. But um, it's just that the, the, the word I use is processing. How is he processing the defensive end of the four, staying in front of his man, and doing the principles in which both Rick Carlisle and Matt Ants head coach Tom Hankins have been stressing to him? And, and so far, I think it's come back with mixed results. Um, it, it, I will say this Mad Ants team, which is easily the best in the in the G League, does play. Um, uh, they, they they played great last night and got back to kind of their winning ways after losing in the championship game uh, last week in Orlando. Um, and, and it does throw a wrench into the team a little bit, throws them off a bit when you, you do bring those NBA guys down just because everybody has their role. You talk about continuity, those sorts of things. Um but you just see, and I know fans have had this question: you know, why can't we see him, or why haven't we seen him? And while I would, I, I push for that a little bit because we know this is not a contending team. So what is this about? It's got to be about the future. So I would like to see a little bit more. It's a top ten Harris pick.
0: That's a top ten yeah, pick exactly. as well. I mean, that's that's a this it's a huge a, pick.
2: Totally, Andy. This is not just a, a a pick or a late first round pick where you know it's going to be some time. It's a lottery. But with that he's just twenty, so that you can see so many of those useful, uh, inexperienced mistakes shine to go back to KB's questions. And so those things you're trying to see, has he how has he minimized those when he's playing against and with the Mad Ants.
3: Bulls tonight, Knicks Saturday, and then those two big ones with the Bucks to start twenty twenty four. Now as Scott said, it is a loaded January slate out of the gate. Scott, have a great new year, man. Thank you for the time. You got it. Thank you guys. Scott Agnes right there, Pay Less Liquors hotline. Joel A. Erickson in about 15. I do want to mention just a couple of guys I do feel like are deserving pro bowlers. I do want to share this note with you, too. Um, Scotty, a listener, sent this, Andy. He goes, I've been to Key West eight times. Very <laughs> jealous. He goes, don't go to the Garden of Eden with the kids. <laughs> oh. Ooh, I mean that sounds. Should I ask what the Garden of Eden is? I'm uh, a little nervous. uh,
0: Mark, look it up. But it 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 sounds like an adult toy store. That's what it sounds like to me. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Does it not? I mean, isn't that what they call them? An adult, uh, you know, love store? I don't know. What do you call them? Yeah. Things are like edible there. Of, uh, I'm going to be honest.
3: I feel like I see a lot of signs for those down 65 Uh-oh, in your old okay. neck of the woods.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. Garden of Eden, Key West. Hang on. I mean, I'm not seeing anything crazy. Doesn't that crazy. go without
3: saying if it's an adult love store, to use an Andy Sweeney phrase, ah, that you a don't bar. take the kids there?
0: Well, yeah, that's what I thought. It's a bar. Yeah, it's a bar. Okay, so... Yeah, you yeah, were I mean, the one there after hours. You were the one that was under the table earlier today. Well, yeah. I was uh four stars uh, on yelp.com dot com, so <laughs> I don't know. It might be worth going. It's right on Duval Street and Whistle Boulevard uh, is where you need to go. So I don't know. Is there is there a night where where the couples go out, where the younger people go out, and the older people watch the kids? Is there one night that happens? There, there, there usually is. Okay. Yeah, the
3: in-laws are terrific about that. So, yes, there usually is. And, and I saw as I was waiting for baggage claim yesterday at the beautiful Key West Airport, uh, tongue-in-cheek there, uh, the Whistle Bar, you brought mm. up Whistle, uh, the headline there or the uh, big appeal was optional clothing.
0: Okay. I'm, 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 I'm seeing this now as, as I look. Like if I went yeah. there on a
3: Friday night, let's say there's 100 people in the bar, how many people do you think are clothed? <laughs>
2: Let's say it says nudist bar, so maybe that's why.
0: Listen, the nudist bar thing you think is going to be a bunch of no. hotties, and it's no, never—it's never a bunch of hotties. Now I have known one guy, okay, just a normal guy, who's like, "Yeah, me and my wife, we went to, and I forget where. It may have been Jamaica. I think it was Jamaica. And they're like, we wandered on a nude bar or nude beach, and we part partook of that." We got, we got completely nude. We ate lunch. We did everything nude. And uh, I was like, well, good for you. It was like a guy that I would not expect uh, to have done that. He did that. So good for him. It's not something that I yeah. would do, but it's not going to be a bunch of hotties. It's going to be guys that look like me. I mean, it, if it's a nude mm. bar, mm. someone wiping down the, like, the bar stools after every customer? <laughs> like, How's that
2: working? Yeah.
3: My wife like and... Uh, one of her best friends studied abroad in Spain, and they went to a nude beach. And the thought was, okay, we're going to see people that we will never ever come across oh, again no. in our lives. This oh, is, no. per, you know, whatever. You know, <laughs> no worries in the world. Oh, oh, no. So all of a sudden, they're just like sitting there, I guess, in the nude beach. These, oh. you know, multiple guys come up to them, introduce themselves, and they're from. The University of Michigan.
0: Also studying abroad. I thought you were going to say IU. Yeah, IUS. Yeah, I, I, that's where I thought you were going to go. Oh, oh man. i studied abroad so before,
2: I- too, and she didn't give me her number.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, in about 10 minutes, Joel Erickson. Mark Dykton will be at Crackers tonight for stand-up night. Joel Erickson talking Colts in 10.
0: We'll talk some Colts football. Joel A. Erickson going to join us from the Indianapolis Star. He'll do so here at the top of the hour, about six, seven minutes or so. Uh, We may have to push back this Jair Alexander sound. We got a call from Brad. You ready, KB? We got a call from Brad. Is this my dad? No, it's not. Who has been to the Garden of Eden uh, there at Key West. (laughs) And I guess he has a firsthand review. So, Brad, good morning. Welcome to the show. The floor is yours, buddy. How are you?
4: Good morning, good morning. I would say if you're in Key West, you have to do it. However, we went for a friend's fortieth birthday a bunch of couples and we went thinking it would be funny and you know uh, fifty you don't you can wear clothes obviously we did, but uh, you can imagine about eighty to ninety percent of the people in there that were uh, fully nude were 80 to 90 percent of the people that you would not want to see fully nude <laughs> a bunch a bunch of 60 70 year old uh uh grinded other. <laughs> oh
0: my god what if oh, this is awkward here on oh, this thursday morning that's where you need to record a podcast the next colts podcast it's an impromptu podcast why is it you that
4: I, I I started laughing. I had to call in. I had to call in. But, uh, now, Brad, you'll, you'll, you'll Brad you got any recommendations?
3: Say
4: you that got again. any other
3: recommendations for Marathon Florida?
4: Um, you know, if you're in Key West, um, that whole strip – I mean, we literally went to Key West, did that whole strip of, of bars and restaurants. It's just a, a cool place, and, you know, we spent, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes in, in each spot. But uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun.
3: Boy. Gosh, why is it always that way? The people you don't want to see nude are the ones that you see nude. Uh,
4: you know what? Uh, it, it was funny. So if you're there, I mean, it, it's a good laugh. You got to do it.
0: <laughs> I love it, Brad. Thank you for the call. I, I think now you got to do it. I'm kind of with Brad now. Now I yeah. kind of feel like it's become part of the show that wherever this is, you got to go. I think you tell
2: Maddie what? I've I've planned out our vacation. Like let's have yeah. a couple's night, and I I found this really cool bar. Just trust me on this.
3: Well, or I could play a different card and maybe, hey, I got a great high school buddy I haven't seen in years. You know, he told me he's down there at the whistle bar, and then I show up and – you know, just scout some
0: things out. I'm also Woo! I'm also looking because again, I'm doing this all signed in. I should have tried to sign in on Jake or Greg Rakesraw's name on the computer here. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> it's mine. Uh, when I search these things, it comes up with like, "Are you sure you want to click on this picture?" Type thing. You can. Are you 18? Are you 18? You can. You can actually charter a nude uh, a new boat. If Uh-oh. you would like. But, you can what? you can do that as I well know. if you want to charter an entire boat. Kevin, it sounds like the world's your oyster down
5: there. You yeah. can do whatever it, you it want. It really
3: does sound like anything goes, which I guess is kind of the state of Florida to, well, to begin Florida, with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, charter a nude boat, you know, again, part of me thinks of what you would see on that boat. It, you might just want to jump in the water.
0: Yeah, yes. Maybe shark-infested yes. waters. It also yeah. sa- It also sounds like someone might be on the elliptical behind you. Is that what's going on? Is it the elliptical yeah. or treadmill? Uh, elliptical. Yeah, Actually, we've got just some be- uh, just hardworking individuals because it, well, it is pouring down rain well, outside. Of course, by the way. it didn't sound like. You know, someone's feet beating down on a treadmill. I feel like that would have been louder. It felt like an elliptical. It sounded like an elliptical, so I'm glad I was able to get that. Ask the elliptical person at the break if they've ever been to the Garden of Eden. <laughs> a,
2: that's yeah, a good I, conversation starter, I feel.
0: Ask them if they think uh, Reggie I, I Wayne should be many- up-
1: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy.
0: Alright, from Nude Beach talking Key West to Colts Conversation, that's the uh, the left turn or right turn uh, that we're taking here on the program. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy hanging out with you one more hour to go. Reminder, you miss any of our show, any of the programming here on The Fan, check us out on the app. You can download it. It's absolutely free. Or check us out online, 1075 thefan.com. It's Colts Raiders on Sunday. Reminder, our coverage on Sunday beginning at 9 a.m. to talk about that game and more. Joel A. Erickson joins us from the star here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, a uh, happy holidays and a good morning to you. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing over there? Uh, we're doing fantastic. KB's in Key West to join some uh, 75, 80 degree weather. Me and Mark here uh, in the radio bunker getting you know post-Christmas, getting ready for New Year. Uh, it's always a fun week. And
3: Joel, how was Christmas for the boys? Yeah. Uh,
5: it was It was great. It was great. The uh, the my kids are are all in the perfect age for for Christmas morning right now, and uh, yeah made it back made it back from Atlanta. Uh, got home at eleven thirty. Um, finished getting everything set up around one, and then the baby the baby of all people was up at five. The one the the one year old who doesn't doesn't know there's any presents downstairs was up at five fifteen and didn't want to go back to bed. But yeah, oh. no, it was it was really fun.
3: Maybe hurt Santa. You never know. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> maybe. It's very possible. Yeah.
0: Very possible <laughs> well, on that end. Well, yeah, but that's great, man. Uh, I can't wait. You know, my, my little guy's only about three and a half months, going to be four months here. So, you know, next year will be, next year will be fun. And then, then the year after, and then the year after that, obviously are, are going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, I envy you guys, cannot wait to be there myself. Well, let, Let's jump into the Colts' conversation here. Raiders coming up, uh, 1 o'clock there, Lucas Oil, it's a big one, and then we know if they win, Week 18 is going to be even bigger against the Texans. How in your mind has this Raiders game changed for me, I almost felt like it was a for sure win a few weeks ago. You know, three weeks ago, they scored zero points against Minnesota and then the last two weeks we see, what, 63 against the Chargers and then everyone was watching. It seemed like in the country was watching what that defense did to Pat Mahomes and company there in Kansas City. So for me, it went from a, sure, they're going to win this game to really being worried, are they going to win this game on Sunday? How is it change for you if at all.
5: Yeah, I, I think it's been the same. I think I've been thinking about this Raiders game, you know, as as the the quote unquote gimme, not that there's any of those in the in the NFL schedule the way it's working this year, but the quote unquote gimme as as they get down the stretch. The reality is, the reality is that the the way the Raiders defense is playing, um, you know, they've given up they've given up just five touchdowns on the last 37 drives they've faced. Uh, that that team can beat anybody. That, I, I, their, offense still, their offense still isn't great with Aiden O'Connell as a quarterback, but, you know, Devontae Adams is there. They've got Josh Jacobs. They've got some, some playmakers. And then, and then the key is just that defense has been playing just really, really good football. And because it's the Raiders and because we kind of written them off when they fired Josh McDaniels, I don't think anybody was really paying that close of attention to it uh, until they beat Kansas City.
3: Again, Joel Erickson is with us here for the Indianapolis Star. Joel, I don't think it's going to matter. It's probably a good thing for the Colts come Sunday. But, you know, Brain Smith uh, looks like he will practice today for the first time in three weeks. Uh, do you think there was any thought, and again, maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll be in the situation again later this year. Do you think there's any thought that Jared here, the guy that they brought in a couple of weeks ago with a million starts in his NFL career, hasn't played in a while, do you think there's any thought that maybe they would have opted for him Instead of Blake Freeland at right tackle,
5: yeah, I I I just I keep thinking that there's no way they, they go get somebody like Jared Veldier unless that's a possibility. And and last week, you know, Blake Freeland, you know, he's had up and down moments as a rookie. Last week was a down moment. He he really struggled against Atlanta last week, both you know against the run and against the pass. And it wasn't just Calais Campbell. Zach Harrison had a pretty good game uh, against him. So I I do think that they're they, they might have had to look at it and go, you know, is they, obviously they liked Veldier's workout enough to sign him, despite the fact that he hasn't played in a while. And we all kind of know what he did a couple of years ago. I I wondered, you know, kind of this week, if they were going to make that kind of move. Now, obviously, if Braden Smith's a full participant at practice, you'd go with him. But, right, you know, right, that's, right. it's kind of the other thing is I've heard some people say, like, well, you know, with, with Smith's injuries and in contract, you know, is that a... Do they move on from him? I I just think you can't do that, um, you know, given the the drop off between between Smith and Freeland at this point in their careers.
3: No, I said to Stephen Holder yesterday. The Shaq Leonard thing, you had an EJ speed in waiting. You don't have that EJ speed at tackle, in my opinion. The other personnel one I wanted to ask you about, you tweeted out a list of safeties yesterday that the Colts worked out earlier this week. Obviously, Julian Blackman to injured reserve. I assume you view that as Nick Cross, Rodney Thomas the starters, and those safeties who they work out would be more depth guys, if need be, here?
5: Yeah, I mean, guys that they're working out at this point in the season – you know, they haven't been on the roster for a long time, for a while. I I do think, though, that, there's, uh, that Julian Blackman is, is an enormous loss. And and some of it, you know, Nick Cross has, has flashed some of his physical gifts this year now that they've gotten him on the field, but, but a lot of it is just that position. The strong safety position is, is the most important when it comes to communication and getting everybody in the right spots uh on the in the entire secondary that's why rodney mcleod took over for cross last year um and that's one of the things julian blackman is doing 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 a lot of things well this season but that was one of the things he'd been doing really really well this season i think you can make a pretty strong case that blackman uh had been their most important secondary member and and losing him is, is pretty big going into the last two games
0: Joel A. Erickson with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Following the Colts, we're talking about the Colts. He's from the Indianapolis Star. Uh, how you know? I'm trying to figure out how to ask this. How high of a priority do you think Blackman is? Uh, a free agent, very well, could have played his last game for the Colts. And I guess how much do you think the next two weeks? And if this team makes the postseason, will go into their decision making on whether or not to bring him back.
5: Well, I I, I think if Nick Cross. I think if Nick Cross, you know, hits the ground running, and and maybe looks like a, a star, that that maybe um, you could you could kind of take a risk there and let Blackman go. But I I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. I, I think the secondary is is still is maybe the team's area of greatest need next season uh, as it sits right now, and and just given that. Yeah, unless unless you're you're convinced that Cross is gonna be the guy, um and that Rodney Thomas is gonna be the guy, frankly, because Cross can play some free safety too, and you could go into next season with those two competing if you re-sign Blackman. I I'm leaning towards re signing Julian Blackman given what we know right now. You know, he has had some trouble with injuries in his career. He's never played a full season in terms of games, but you know, this, this is a secondary that, that honestly has been the defense's Achilles' heel in terms of coverage this season, and they're already young. You're probably going to get younger. I, I think that I think that you want to have the, the guy who's been the rock of the secondary. Like I said, I, I can see a, a scenario where Nick Cross plays really, really well in the next two or three or four games, and you feel like you can take the risk of moving on from Blackman. But we just haven't seen we haven't seen that necessarily from Thomas either, because you might want Cross to compete at free safety as well.
3: Boy, you you go back to that Zaire Franklin clip, Andy, you played earlier in the show. I mean, those were some strong words from Zaire Franklin about Julian Blackman and what he means to the Colts. Um, Okay, Joel, again, Joel A. Erickson is with us here from The Star. I know a lot of people don't care about the Pro Bowl, understandably. I think guys (laughs) do care if they make it. Uh, It's a third fan vote, a third coach vote, a third player vote. I will say Zaire Franklin and Michael Pittman Jr. are deserving Pro Bowls, and I will stop there. Uh, do you agree? Are you adding more? Are you subtracting more? What are your Pro Bowl thoughts as that team gets announced next week?
5: I, without, well, ultimately without having a great idea on the rest of the guards, I think you could probably put Quentin Nelson in the Pro Bowl. Um, I, I might go, yeah, I, I think I'd put Quentin Nelson in the Pro Bowl. I, I, I would say I would say DeForest Buckner is deserving. I don't think he's going to get it. Um, there's a lot I, of. Defensive I don't know if there's enough numbers. splash plays from him
3: this year, Joel. I don't know if there's enough. And interior defensive line's pretty good in the AFC too.
5: Yeah, yeah. There's there's too many guys, and and you're right. The the sack numbers, the sack numbers. He's got six. That there's this. always happens with pass rush. Like if you, if you look at Sports Info Solutions, which I use, he's got 43 pressures. Which leads the Colts, and you know. Also, if you watch the defensive line, like I do, you know how much he's getting double teamed. But that's 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 sort of that's sort of the stuff that like you know the Colts understand about how good DeForest Buckner is. It's not something that's going to get him in the Pro Bowl. I, I think Quentin Nelson could get in it. He's got the name recognition on the offensive line. He's had a very good season. Um, I, I Franklin has the most tackles in the NFL. I'd have to look at you know. Uh, what the rest of the linebacker picture is in terms of splash plays, though, because that's another position where, you know, turnovers and sacks and stuff like that tend to tend to take the precedence.
0: Yeah, if you could have got that pick and maybe taken it back to the house against Atlanta, uh, yeah, Zaire, that did could have that that helped up. him. Uh-uh.
3: I did look that up, Zaire and those other splash plays. It's not as um, a big number for other guys, you know, inside linebacker guys that that I thought it would be because I had that same thought there, Joel. So, again, you know, Pittman, when you get in the AFC wideouts, honestly, you don't get too far down the list before Pittman's, like, really up there with those other guys. Obviously, Tyree Kill is an absolute lock. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if uh, any of them do, uh, do get in.
0: Joel A. Erickson with us here. Uh, he's from the Star and he's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You wrote about that. You were talking about the defensive line. We've mentioned the offensive line. You wrote about the defensive line and the amount of sacks that they have been able uh, to get this season. Still two games left. Were you more disappointed in the O-line or the D-line in the Atlanta game, Joel? And who do you... Which group do you think has the best chance to bounce back on Sunday against the Raiders?
5: I... I... I was more disappointed in the offensive line. The defensive line, the thing about the defensive line is there is a, and, and every every team kind of knows this. It just kind of comes down to whether or not the quarterback they have can execute it. There's a way to neutralize them. You think about like they, they Taylor Heineke said it in the post-game press conference that the whole game plan was to get the ball out of his hands fast. Um, and then on top of that, they ran a lot of play action all the stuff that the the Falcons can do I, with the defensive line. I, I just keep thinking that they, they need more coverage to be getting four or five sacks every single game. Uh, and they're still fifth in the NFL. The, the, the offensive line, I, I know Atlanta has a good front, but I, I didn't realize, I didn't think the offensive line was going to have that kind of day. Um, even, you know, even with some of Freeland's limitations in, in Atlanta. and And as far as bouncing back, you know, if if you got Braden Smith and it's it's re, and it's Braden Smith the way we've seen Braden Smith be in the past, um, I think the offensive line has a good chance to bounce back. The, the defensive line—it's uh, it, just kind of sort of the nature of the position. It's somewhat contingent on on how you're getting on the coverage you're getting from the back end, and the, you know that matchup of Devontae Adams against a bunch of young guys is is you know, one of the premier technicians of the game, at wide receiver, it, it it's not a good one as far as as far as far putting people up on the line and disrupting him and and gi- giving, you know, the defensive line a chance to get home.
3: Yeah, again, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. When the O-line's been healthy this year, which it looks like Sunday could be, they've had some pretty good outings, so we'll see if that happens. Okay, Joel, last one from me, and I'll just kind of throw this at you and let you take it wherever you would like. Uh, it's a stat that stands out to me. And Jonathan Taylor's last 18 games played one time
5: over 100 yards. What do you make of that? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this yesterday, too. And it's, it's kind of hard to know. It's kind of hard to know exactly like what to, what to think about it. Like, I, I feel like he's done a good job of creating yards when they haven't been there this season. And obviously he's missed some of the games where, well, he missed, he missed basically all of the games that Anthony Richardson was there to kind of, you know, loosen everything up for him. At the same time, at the same time, you know, Taylor in his first couple years was a guy who was routinely, you know, averaging five yards a carry, even against some of the heavy fronts. And so I, I it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a hard, his case is kind of a hard one to to figure out because there, there's the piece where I feel like he's getting more yards than are there a lot of times, um, but he doesn't have necessar- he hasn't necessarily had the, the the high level breakaways that we're used to seeing from him, and then the other piece of it is this is a different staff and I think I think to some degree, this staff hasn't proven yet that they can run the ball even when teams sell out completely to stop them. Which is, something that, which is something that the previous staff, you know, all other warts aside, could do. We saw them do it in 2019 and 2021 when they didn't have much threat of a passing game. So there, there's a lot of different factors that kind of go into the Taylor thing that make the evaluation on him difficult. But I, I, I do think, um, and it did kind of come up to me you know, in my head yesterday, it, we haven't seen him really go off in a long time.
0: No, we haven't, uh, and we need to. And with the contract and everything else, I you know, I think running the ball on Jonathan Taylor and everything. I, you know, I think if Anthony Richardson were here and we're playing, and next year if he's healthy, the running game I think will be the thing that's most different with this Colts team. The numbers, the quarterback running. Uh, we saw Zach Moss earlier in the year have success, and one reason why was the threat of Anthony Richardson. I want to ask you about this, and Joel A. Erickson with us here from the Star on the Payless Liquors hotline. I know Doyle wrote about this. We talked a little bit about it, KB, uh, and that is the feeling of 2021, and that's been a little bit of a narrative going into this Raider game on Sunday. And obviously, some of the players are the same, and many of the players are not. Is that a storyline for you, Joel? How does it feel the same? How does it feel different this week? Do you think?
5: Well, it, it feels very different to me, and and the biggest reason is just. This this is not the plan. Like the, the the Colts, the Colts that that are out there right now. This this is not Plan A, Plan B. I think we're probably on Plan C or Plan D right now in terms of. I, I don't I don't really think the Colts expected to contend this year. Um, you know, going as young as they did at corner and and leaving the defense in honestly, honestly putting the defensive. Coaches, in honestly a pretty tough spot in terms of what they can do um, in terms of relying on the secondary. That's one piece of it. Obviously, the the obvious huge one is you know, in 2021, Carson Wentz was supposed to be the quarterback and played all the games. And Gardner Minshew is not supposed to be the quarterback, he's not the planet quarterback. Um, The other piece of it is if you look at this, like, if you look at this team, And where their rankings are and, you know, who who they've been throughout the season. Like, it's a mistake to look at this team as, you know, a surefire playoff contender. Because outside of of where they rank in sacks, they're fifth in sacks. And outside of Michael Pittman being top ten in receptions, this is a team that is not, you know, exceptional at any one thing on either side of the ball. And that has to do a lot well, other than takeaways. They're good at takeaways on defense. And that that's because I think of the transitional nature of the way they set this up. And because they've, they've had so many injuries and they're on their backup quarterback. Like, like you just mentioned, the run game has been very up and down, but I think that a key part of this, of this staff's run game or Shane Steichen's run game is having a quarterback there to draw attention away from people. So If this, you know, if if they don't make the playoffs, if they end up with a collapse down the stretch, it's it's less to me like like it was in 2021, where it's an indictment of what they're trying to do overall, and more just this is a team that has its record is is probably a little bit over its head. I mean, this this is a team that's I think oh they've overachieved yeah they've overachieved up until now they totally have yeah scoring differential they're twentieth in DVOA like they've overachieved and so. If they don't make it it's more of a it's more of water finding its level I think with some of the the issues that they've had.
3: Yeah, I think that's really well said. Yeah, I, agree. I was kind of nodding my head throughout that answer. Joel, all right, uh Santa brought what to the Erickson boys if you don't mind sharing. <laughs> uh,
5: well, so they, in our house the big presents come from the parents and then everything else comes from Santa. Um so the big presents were my oldest son got a, base, got a baseball bat for his, his season coming up. The Let's middle go. one got a mini air hockey table. And then the baby got a wagon to get drug around in at all of the, all the baseball games. And then I think in terms of the Santa gifts, uh, a lot of books in the Erickson house for the first time, uh, there, there's these books called Dogman books and investigators books that, that the kids love. They are full of bad puns, but the kids love them. <laughs> Uh, oh boy! <laughs> and, Sounds like a good sports writer. <laughs> and then a lot of a lot of a lot of Legos, a lot of Legos again, and, uh, and uh, the other one that we have to kind of monitor, um, Spencer, my my five year old, uh, got a uh, a Spider Man uh, sh- web shooting thing that includes silly string and it also shoots water and so we've been we've been trying really hard to keep him shoot keep him to shooting water until there's like a good moment for the silly string and he very badly Yeah that's badly a parents worst nightmare
3: <laughs>
0: Sounds fun That sounds awful <laughs>
3: Now what, what 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 brand of baseball bat are we on to these days? I you know growing up for me it was like boy I got to get my TPX I got to get my Easton Easton what, yeah. are my, what, what, what are my what what are my what are baseball <laughs> brands I
5: got to look forward to here in the next couple of years? Well I didn't I didn't go full out like crazy with the top of the line with like a like one of the really big time Berninis or something like that. But uh, I talked to I talked to some some friends of mine who are. Uh, some of them, well, at least one of them, you know, Kevin, uh, whose, whose sons are in in you know travel ball and in that kind of thing, and so we ended up with a we ended up with a Marucci Cat Nine. Um,
3: <laughs> That's is great. that an ode and, to uh, former
5: Lions legend Steve
3: Marucci? I'm
5: unfamiliar. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's also it's got the colors of his team on it, so I thought he would like that. You know, ah, uh, great idea. Yeah. Very nice, nice. The only very hard part nice. about getting a baseball bat is that you can't like necessarily go outside and throw a bunch of pitches right away.
3: Yeah, although, yeah, Christmas Day was nice. But, yeah, it's certainly a little bit of a chill in the air. Uh, Joel, glad everything worked out for you Atlanta travel-wise. I'm sure that was chaotic getting back here and uh, being with the kids and everything. Uh, but appreciate you making time for us on this Thursday morning, and uh, we'll see you in a bit. Yep, see you guys.
0: Yeah, eight o'clock hour. Hanging out with you in the drive, dot studio. KB and Andy. Reminder tonight: it is Pacers and Bulls United Center there in Chicago. Seven thirty pregame, right here on the fan. Eight o'clock tip off. Cannot wait for that one. I'm sure that I don't know if that'll be on the background. I guess Bally's. You'll be using the app there in Florida. Dial KB, up the app, Bally there you app go. Time. There you go. Good luck, boy. I tell you, the app didn't work at first when I loaded it the other night. I go, oh boy. I always go right to Twitter to know if I'm the only one. If I type in Ballys Pacers or just Ballys at the top and I search and I see a bunch of people uh, from you know uh, in, you know Kokomo or Indianapolis or whatever it may be, I know, oh boy, I'm not the only one. Uh, so we'll see. They have uh, we'll be... behaved as of late. Yes, they to have. Be fair. They no. have behaved as of late. Yeah, they absolutely have. The first couple games, you told them to kiss your bleep, I believe, is how we started uh, the Pacers season. Uh, That's how we started it. Uh, Tony Adranya joining us. We'll talk some IU basketball with him right now. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Tony, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Happy Holidays.
6: Good morning. Happy holidays to you guys as well. How are you guys doing?
0: Uh, We are fantastic. Uh, Me and Mark are in the bunker, the radio bunker. KB's in Florida, so he's doing a little bit better than us, but uh, overall we are doing fantastic. I'll ask you just with a smile on my face, uh, that North Alabama-Indiana game, 12 threes by the Hoosiers. Did you nearly pass out all the three-pointers Indiana made? It's unbelievable. It's like a month's worth.
6: It it was certainly unexpected, to say the least. Uh, But A welcome sight, certainly for Indiana fans. I know that's been a hot-button issue, Uh, not only the number of makes the team had, but even the number of takes uh, in terms of three-pointers for the Hoosiers. So, certainly a welcome sight to see.
3: Tony, when you think of that storyline, you know, every Mike Woodson press conference, he seemingly is asked about the three-point line, the usage of it, how effective they've been with it. Um, Do you think it's a subject that's a little bit beating a dead horse is just accepting of reality. This isn't going to be a great three-point shooting team. Is this a coaching staff that needs to adapt a little bit more to what modern, you know, basketball period is all about. How do you view the opinion of Indiana university in the three-point line
5: here?
6: Yeah, it's, it's such a, a unique kind of build of the roster, you know, so they've got Gloware, they've got Malik renew who certainly have been their, their two most consistent players all season. So a lot of things running through the post, uh, which is exactly how the team looked under Trace Jackson Davis as well. And then even dating back to kind of like Jawan Morgan, things are running through the post. So it's been like a decade for Indiana fans where, you know, the three point line just hasn't really been used all, you know, all the way back to Archie Miller's first year through current date. So, you know, as, more and more people kind of get into like what modern basketball looks like, positionless basketball, opening up the floor, especially as you watch the NBA game, look at the Pacers. You know, everybody's utilizing the three-point line more and more. And then for the last decade or so, Indiana really hasn't utilized it like the rest of kind of the basketball world has. Like as of right now, I think there's 362 teams in Division One basketball. Indiana is 356 in terms of their three-point rate, which is basically how many three-pointers you take compared to how many field goal attempts you take. So, you know, they're, they're utilizing it less than almost every single team in Division One college basketball. So that's what's, what's sounding those alarms. So I, I certainly see the, the hesitation from the Indiana fan base to buy into two bigs, clog up the blocks, things like that, especially when you look at the North Alabama game. You see they kind of opened the floor up a little bit. Uh, guys were knocking down shots in rhythm, with confidence. You know, in, in Indiana's North Alabama game, they sh- they scored, I think, like four or five threes in transition. So they were shooting early threes. It almost looked like a concerted effort to to shoot those shots. So that was a welcome sight because a lot of times it seemed like, this season especially, guys were passing up open three-point looks, and then they'd get late into the shot clock, and they ended up shooting a contested two. So – Hopefully for for Indiana, you know, that is something they're going to look at more. You know, shots in rhythm are important. The confidence the team had was important as a shooter. So, um, yeah, it was good to see.
0: Tony Adranya with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We can move off the three-point stuff. I just I, – I, I I, follow Kentucky basketball, and Calipari had an issue with it, Tony, the last couple years, and Mike Woodson being an NBA coach and having issues with it. It starts a guard play. I just don't understand it, but, again, we, we can move on. Uh, so that close loss – okay, so the team gets blown out by Auburn, and then a valiant effort, okay, against Kansas – uh, Trey Galloway was fantastic again. All of this is without Xavier Johnson, who I want to get to here in a second. And then this team was fortunate to beat Morehead State. I think you were at that game, were you not? I mean, they were they were fortunate. They probably should have lost that game. Trey Galloway with some good defense down the stretch, uh, and then they blow out North Alabama. So, where has this team grown in the last few weeks? Or has it been North Carolina, North Alabama is the outlier and they're still kind of just trudging along something we may see against Kennesaw State tomorrow night?
6: Yeah, for you know, for Indiana, honestly, their their guard play has has been somewhat suspect. And when their guards play well, Indiana plays well. And that's even with Xavier Johnson in the lineup. Um, you know, w- when he's been good, Indiana's been good. Obviously, he's been out the last several games and, and hopefully getting him back soon. But um, you look at that Kansas game, as you mentioned, Indiana gets a-, a valiant effort from Trey Galloway, and they hang with one of the best teams in the country. Then you go to the Moorhead State game, you know, Indiana's guard production w- was poor, and they almost lose to, you know, a lesser opponent and then, as you mentioned, North Alabama, guard plays good. They knock down, you know, Indiana as a whole knocks down 12-3s. They're more perimeter-oriented. Obviously, Malik Renu was the star of that game, but Indiana had good guard production. So that's really where, for Indiana, they're going to go as their guards go. That's how it goes in college basketball. Like, you know, Air, Malik Renew, they're going to get there, as we mentioned. And then your wild cards are kind of, you know, your Trey Galloway, your McKinney Baco, your Gabe Cups and, you know, your Xavier Johnson, C.J. Gunn, those guys at the guard play. So, um, you know, it was – it's great to be able to have Xavier Johnson back, somebody that's a lead guard. Um, you know, I'm excited to kind of see how he and Gabe Cups can play together as well now that Gabe has gotten a lot of of good minutes. Um, you know, he, he's – I think he played 38 or something like that in the Kansas game. You know, he's really Indiana's only point guard – healthy point guard on the roster. Uh, as it currently stands, so you know it's 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 somewhat of a you could say flawed roster build, but you know it's it's not free agency. That's what I always kind of tell people with with college basketball teams. You know, everybody's like, why didn't they get a guard in the portal? It's like, well, you know, they they went after several, but when I when I look at that, you know, Indiana had Xavier Johnson, who is a lead guard that's going to dominate the basketball returning. They had Trey Galloway returning. He was one of Mike Woodson's favorite players. He said it in his press conferences you know what portal guard that maybe has one year left is going to go into a situation like that when there's you know 50 other situations in the country that probably look more appetizing for them so that's kind of me going off on a tangent there but it really does come down to guard play for Indiana and you know when they when their guards don't play well typically Indiana's not going to play well either
3: he is Tony Adranya, a great follow. Honestly, if you're an IU fan, it's a must-follow on Twitter. That is Coach Adranya, A-D-R-A-G-N-A. Uh, you can follow him over on Twitter. Tony, I go back to that Michigan game. You know, you could make the argument, I think, for some stretches there. That was one of the better performances of the season, certainly a win away from home. And I thought C.J. Gunn was important, you know, uh, at times, both ends of the floor. How vital do you think? And, you know, when Xavier Johnson comes back, you know, that's probably going to, you know, clear up a little bit of the minutes picture right now but gabe cups and trey galloway you're almost running them into the ground with how many minutes you're playing them right now Uh, how important do you think a guy like cj gunn is here the rest of the season and honestly moving forward when you talk about guard development within your own program
6: he's vital i mean he really is you know indiana needs production from cj gunn on both ends of the floor as you mentioned you know he was really somebody the staff was counting on this season to be productive. And, you know, there are were, there were many people that were kind of clamoring for, hey, let's see what C.J. Gunn looks like starting and bring Trey, G- Trey Galloway off the bench because Galloway throughout his career has kind of been that spark plug. He comes in, he brings a different type of energy, um, you know, and ideally he might be a sixth man on this Indiana roster. Uh, so there's been even some people that have clamored for that. But, you know, C.J. Gunn in terms of his IU career has really – struggled and you know this season hasn't really been much different than that when you look at you know his production from the three-point line I think last season he was two for 24 from three that's uh walking eight percent there and this season he's 25 percent three for 12 from the three-point line so some improvement I guess but you know he's got to be a guy that steps up for me with CJ Gunn it's it's always been let the game come to you I, I think when he does that He goes out there, he gets a steal or deflection or something like that. Um, He kind of gets in that flow of the game, and then you can almost see, like, his shoulders drop he takes a deep breath, and then he's just playing basketball. You know, I think when he goes out there, he's playing a little tight, a little timid, and that's not uncommon for a guy coming in off the bench because, you know, you want to be productive in the minutes you put out there, you're not going to play. And that's kind of how Mike Woodson runs his lineups. He'll throw five out there. About 10 minutes into the game, there's another five uh, that are playing. And then of those five that are in that second unit, if you don't play well, you're probably not going to play the rest of the game. And that's happened to C.J. Gunn a couple times this season. So when he goes out there, he's pressing. And I'd love to just see him, you know, like I said, let the game come to you. Take a deep breath. Uh, You know, you don't have to force shots. Indiana doesn't necessarily need you to go out there and get them 20 or anything like that. You know, they need you to be a productive guard. That can guard the other team's best wing because he's got a lot of length. He's got a lot of speed. Uh, and like you said, you know, the, the Indiana's guards right now are, are being run into the ground, you know, 38, 39-minute games. They haven't gotten into the Big Ten season yet, which is a grueling season. You know, you, you're going on the road a lot. They haven't really had to, to go on the road too much. I mean, they've played some neutral site games and obviously played at Michigan. But, you know, that Big Ten season where you've got two back-to-back road games, you're not really at home much, you, you, you know your body's sore, you're fatigued, all that stuff. Indiana hasn't really gotten into that, so they're going to need production from their bench, especially from their guards. Obviously, as we've mentioned, David Johnson coming back is going to be very important for this team and, and some getting some guys less minutes. Um, but yeah, I, to me, C.J. Gunn, he, he still is an X factor for what this team can be, and he still can turn this season around. It's not like uh, you know, we're in late December and, you know, all is lost. Like, he's a guy that Mike Woodson's going to continue giving minutes, so he's, he's got to be productive when he gets out there.
3: Tony, last one for me. And, again, Tony adranya is with us.
0: Uh... Oh, we lost KB. Adrano on Twitter. All right Kevin give it a try again give it a try again now, he's having some issues Tony let's just I don't know what he was going to ask but I had a couple things I was going to ask a guy is pumping weights behind yeah. <laughs> him so I think the clanging he's, and banging Tony is not he's the connection. Tony he's in a gym right now in Marathon Florida that's where he's doing the show right now uh so i love it (laughs) i do too it's dedication xavier johnson returning does what for this team like fill in the blank besides like it gives guys minutes off and that's a vital thing what does he do on the floor that makes this team better
6: in one word creates uh he he's very much a creator whether that be for himself or whether that be for his teammates um Indiana really lacks somebody with his skill set. You know, when you look at a Gabe Cups, a Trey Galloway, uh, even a McKenzie Baco, those guys aren't really guys that create shots for themselves or for others. Um, you know, they're, they're really more like a, you know, a spot-up shooter or a guy that's going to run the offense in Gabe Cups, Trey Galloway can be, be a creator of sorts, but not to the level that Xavier Johnson is. You know, when you look at, at Ken Palm... Uh, com great website for a little bit of a deeper analysis. Um, when you look at Xavier Johnson, he has an assist rate that is always in like the top 10 to 15 in the country, which basically is like, how often are you getting other guys shots? Um, and, you know, right now, Indiana just doesn't have somebody that can do that. So for me, he's a guy that's going to be able to create offense, especially in the pick and rolls. Indiana is, is a, a heavy ball screen team. And, You know, right now, just Gabe Cups doesn't have that skill set. He will in time. I think Gabe Cups is going to be a great player for Indiana for four seasons. But for right now, what Xavier Johnson can do off of a ball screen is just uh, more impactful than what Gabe Cups can do. So excited about what that, that level. And then on the defensive end, he's a guy that's going to be able to guard the other team's, you know, ball handler, if you will. Gabe Cups, again, going to be great. He's not built for that role yet. Xavier Johnson is is a sixth-year senior. Um, you know he's going to be able to to the other team's ball handler, and that kind of gets Indiana into their defense. Um, you know Indiana relies upon that to to put some ball pressure and then funnel things to to the rim to the clue where to, to blocks up at the rim, and that's what Indiana thrived off of with Trace Jackson Davis the last couple seasons. Um, this year they don't really have that. You know other teams have been able to run their offense pretty easily. Um, You know, as we've seen, Indiana has also struggled giving up some three-pointers on the other end of the floor. So uh, I think Xavier Johnson, now it's going to take some time. And that's another thing that, that us as Indiana fans are going to have to realize it's, you know, he's not going to be inserted in the lineup. Let's even say if it's tomorrow and all of a sudden he's back to the Xavier Johnson of old, it's going to take time. This is a guy that has played, you know, maybe six games in the last, 365 days uh, he, he hasn't done a lot of on court stuff uh, previous to this week in the last you know month or so. And so it's going to take him time. He's going to have to get his conditioning back, his legs back. He's going to make mistakes. Um, you know, he's he, he not mistake free even when he is healthy. So uh, that's something that it's, it's going to be important for Indiana fans to remember is that when he does come back, while we do expect, you know, better production from the point guard spot, It's going to take some time, and it's not going to be like he's just inserted and everything is great to go.
0: Tony Adranya with us here on the Fan on the Payless Liquors Hotline. The other one I had, uh, Mackenzie Mbaco, you know, when he was struggling, really laboring early on in the season. We talked about it. We talked about it with you. So, Tony, now that he's had, uh, what, seven games in a row in double figures, it's worth talking about him uh, in a better light. Is he playing better? What do your eyes? What do the what does the film tell you about his play over the last 3 weeks or so? Again, 7 straight games in double figures and the last 3 games especially, he's rebounded the basketball a little bit better than he did earlier on in the season. Certainly, he's
6: comfortable. And that's it's not uncommon for for freshmen, especially of his caliber to come in and the game's a lot faster, guys are game-planning against you, um, everybody is, is a supreme athlete. And so, you know, those those first few games, he, he really, you know, as, as we talked about last time I was on, really, really struggled. But now you see him kind of coming into his own. Uh, he's productive. Not only is he – and, you know, I was kind of worried, like, is he just going to become a guy that's just a spot-up shooter? That's kind of where, what he looks like his first few games, just shooting – um, really, from spot up only. Now he's creating some things off the dribble. He's knocking down his three pointers at a better clip. You know, he's he, still in the season. It's not great. I think he's 22% from the three point line. But, you know, in the last game, I believe he was two for six. He had a game with Kansas, game, he was two for four. Uh, and then the two Big Ten games, he was two for four as well. So, you know, he, he's somebody that's opening up some things on the floor. Now that he's a threat, that opens things up for Malik Winouk, a Ware inside because they're able to kick out and there's somebody that is a threat to score on the outside like that. That is so important for what this Indiana team can become. And we saw glimpses of it in the North Alabama game, which I don't want to lose sight of. It was North Alabama, right? So it's like, you know, you got to do this against better production. Um, but, you know, when, when guys like Mbako can open the floor up for Indiana's interior players, which are, you know, have been their best, production from the offensive side of the ball that just does so much for everybody else. And then if they see him playing with confidence, it gets everybody else playing with confidence. And then uh, on the other side of it is like also from a program standpoint, it's important that he plays well so that you can get other guys of his caliber yeah. to join your program in future years. Like that, That's that spot on something to
0: look at no it's absolutely spotted no this was this was a five-star left duke and 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 came to you and chose you over uh, other big-time institutions tony appreciate the time my man take care we'll keep following you at coach adrania on twitter and uh, keep breaking things down appreciate the time this morning on the fan thank you
2: appreciate it guys thank you